Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. And here we are getting into the regular season. The Miami Dolphins travel to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to talk about that matchup. But first, follow us on the Fin Side on Facebook, on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, if you have a question, we'll read it on the air. So we have a very, very special guest with, with us here. Looking at the Seahawks, uh, you know, it seems like it's the typical year for both the Seahawks and the Dolphins compared to last year. We'll go down position by position. At the quarterback spot, Russell Wilson and his final seven or eight games really shook that game for the few years of his career. How much more can Russell Wilson improve? You know, it's one of those things where we need to see from Russ if Wilson can continue to give that consistent, you know, quick read, get the ball out of his hand, especially early in games. Looking at the running back spot, obviously Marshawn Lynch is no longer with Seattle. Thomas Rawls was a star when he got the chance last year and has had some injury problems here this preseason. Kristen Michael, who was released, drafted by the Seahawks, released by the Seahawks, and back with them at the end of last year is expected to get the start with uh, C.J. Proceis and Alex Collins, two rookies behind him. How much can we expect to see Kristen Michael in the game? Uh, Should we expect him to be the bell cow, or do you expect those rushes to be a little bit more divvied out? Well, they're going to be a little bit divvied out because Rawls is healthy, but he's not 100% uh, back. He broke his ankle last year, had some ligament damage, had to have surgery. So it, it's just a slow process. He's healthy, but they, the team wants to bring him along. So I expect him to get probably about 15 snaps, nine, eight carries, somewhere in there. The rest of the, the carries are all going to go to Christine Michael. Uh, we'll see Procise as a the third down black guy who will block, will, um, you know, run some wraps out of, the, out of the backfield, that kind of stuff. But he probably won't get more than one or two uh, one or two carries, and those will be, you know, a draw on third. And it's really going to come down to to that. You're going to see Christine Michael get the bulk of them. Rawls is going to get his share as they work him back in couple. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that Collins is probably not even going to be active for the game. So, got it. Yeah. So looking at the wide receiver unit, I got to I got to tell you here, Keith. A year ago with this same unit, these top four guys. I thought this unit was a joke last year. Uh, Doug Bal- I mean, not. I mean, at the beginning of last year, I should say, with Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, Tyler Lockett, and Paul Richardson. Um, nobody's laughing anymore. I mean, Doug Baldwin, Pro Bowl caliber year. Jermaine Curse continued to improve. And Lockett makes the Pro Bowl as a, as a returner and as that speed threat. Paul Richardson can slip on the field. So should we expect the Seahawks to spread out the field here in this game or have them go more in that traditional two wide receiver set? Uh, you're going to see a lot of three wide receiver stuff um, going on. They, the team doesn't have a fullback. I mean, they technically they do, but he's a defensive tackle. And so you're going to, in terms of, you know, uh, that uh, aspect of the, uh, you know, that aspect of the, of the offense this week. Uh, so that opens it up. Plus you've got Jimmy Graham, who, 
We're still unsure if he's actually even going to play. The rookie, Nick Vanette, well, I guess we're, we'll talk about tight ends in a minute, but he's also hurt. So they're, they're banged up at, at tight end. You're going to see a lot of receivers just because that's uh, what they have healthy and ready to go. Are they going to spread it out and throw it uh, 40 or 50 times like you know, New England? No, that's not who they are. They're going to run it. But what you're going to see, you'll still see a lot of three or five receiver sets with Wilson and one of the running backs in the shotgun, and they'll run out of that formation. So it, spreading teams out defensively just makes life easier for them to run it. So that's one of the things that the Seahawks really like to do often. It'll be Luke Wilson, um, who will get the start at tight end. Um, I mean, I guess he is listed on the, the depth chart as the starter, which was kind of unexpected. We figured he'd be listed as injured. We don't know if that means uh-huh. he's going to play or not. Um, even if he plays, he's not going to play a lot. He might start, but I wouldn't expect him to be on the field much. Um, Luke Wilson's going to get the bulk of the snaps. You're going to see Brandon Williams, who is the fourth uh, tight end on the roster. He's going to come in uh, mostly as a blocker, but he you know, has some good movement skills. So he'll get some get some snaps as well, but he'll mostly be in there in that you know the heavy patterns. Hey, moving along to the offensive line, which you were about to touch on earlier, I I got to be honest with you, we when we first heard that the Dolphins were playing the Seahawks in Week One, it was kind of a bummer because the Seahawks are such a good team heading into the year, but then looked at the offensive line and we're like, wow, the Dolphins' strength is supposed to be their defensive line. We've been salivating over this matchup from left to right. Bradley Solo at left guard at left tackle, Glowinski at left guard, Justin Britt at center, first round rookie, Jermaine Effetti at right guard, and Gary Gilliam at right tackle. Should we be salivating? Somewhat. Uh, because this unit is <laughs> young, it's inexperienced. Uh, of from last year's starting five to this year, the only player that's the same in the same position is Gilliam, and his hold on that position is tenuous at best. Um, he, there's <laughs> play the whole game there, even if he's healthy, um, because they'll they're, they'll work uh, Jamarcus Webb in and get him a few series here and there uh, at that spot. So. That'll tell you kind of how the the shakeup went. Now, people look at that and they go, "Oh, all that you know, they're, they're throwing everything out. Is this the unit's going to be bad?" Well, the reason why they they decided to do um, this massive shakeup was because the offensive line was terrible last year. It was just absolutely terrible, um, and so they had to do something. And it ended up being a little bit more drastic than they expected. But in this case. Change isn't going to be bad because it's not the line won't get worse. <laughs> Literally that bad. Um, as it's worked out, looking at preseason and stuff we've seen, uh, Justin Britt, who was a well below average right tackle and one of the worst left guards in the league the last two years, is really good at center. Like surprisingly good. Like everyone, like all, all of us, you know, the analysts and stuff for Seattle are just we've been just really really shocked. Like we, we expected him to be. It'll be length, and he's so far been ranked. So uh, I think we he may be better than expected. Um, and the two new guards have both been great now. One's a rookie. One's a second-year player who only had made one start as a rookie. So there's going to be mistakes. There, you know, it's it's what happens. There's a learning curve in the NFL, and uh, so there's going to be mistakes by those two. But they've held their own really well and opened holes for the running game and done a good job. So the interior of the line. And so far, looked like it could 
be okay. Like we're, I mean, like I said, there, there's going to be mistakes made, but they're still a good, a good unit. The tackles though are a mess. Um, and that's where, where teams are going to, are going to be able to get to Seattle. Uh, uh, Soul is a backup ta- call, uh, caliber talent. He was a backup in Arizona, um, and he's sort of starting left tackle. Um, Gilliam is a nice—he's a nice piece, but you know he's not anything special. He has the quick feet to become a good player. They thought he was going to be the left tackle this year, but he got hurt. He missed the first couple of weeks of camp and never really recovered. So he's going back to the right side. And both of those—both of those guys are guys that are going to get beat there. You're going to see teams attack the edges uh, of Seattle because they, they know they can get around the corner. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it sounds like, and what I saw in the preseason, looks like the Seahawks offensive line from left to right. I'm like, who, who, who? First round pick, who? And then I watch them play, and it seems like they were playing above their talent level. And I would expect to Russell Wilson, because he came around so well, the expectation is that he's going to create some opportunities and some time for himself. Very, you know, the, all the great quarterbacks can do that. The Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Peyton Manning's, and, the, and historically are able to buy some time for themselves because they can get the ball out of their hands quickly. And Russell Wilson, you add the wheels onto that, you add the vision onto that, and it makes it that much better. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, Keith, we're not salivating over this matchup. Uh, the Dolphins' offensive line, which we're a little bit more impressed by this year so far with the addition of Laramie Tunzel, going up against the, the Seahawks' defensive line, specifically the had the defensive ends Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, who combined for 19 sacks and four forced fumbles last year. Is this still the bread and butter of your defensive line? Or obviously of your defensive line, but really of your defense in general? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would give the nod to the secondary, but um, the defensive mm-hmm. line group is is really solid. Um, there's some depth issues, but which isn't really shouldn't actually play in to the you know the game much here in week one, but down the stretch it could. Avril and Bennett are good. I mean, they, they're both pro bowlers. Bennett moves inside in the nickel, and they bring in um, either Frank Clark or Cassius Marsh into at, at the opposite end of, from Avril. And, you know, it, what you end up with there is, is three good pass rushers. And Seattle, they get sacks, and that's, it's what they do. They're, they're very disruptive. They also have a tendency to go cold and go long stretches without getting pressure. And then all of a sudden they'll, they'll be back and, you know, they'll get three sacks in two drives and, you know, shut it, shut it, shut an offense down. Um, but it's those cold periods that they're there because of the, uh, the lack of inside pass rush other than Bennett. So if Bennett lined up at defensive end, they struggle to get a push up the middle. And so quarterbacks just step up and, eliminates uh, Averill from the play. So it's it, it's a strength because the, the top of the depth chart's really good, but once you get down into the depth a little bit, there's a little bit of, of some issues there for the Seahawks. You know, and Dolphins fans are going to be shocked to see Tony McDaniel starting for the Seahawks at defensive tackle. You know, it, there's an interesting story attached with that. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, and he'll be platooning I believe with second-round pick Jerron Reed. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. So, okay, so here here's the story. So, he, McDaniel was in Miami. He got, uh, I think he got cut by the Dolphins, signed with Seattle, was here for two years, and then the Seahawks had him in a salary cap move, and he played, I think, for New Orleans last year, and then it was on a one-year deal. So he was a free agent, and 
sat out there, was completely un, you know, no one was particularly interested in him. He's just out there. And he was up near Seattle in a place called Leavenworth, which is up in the mountains, a little pack. Uh-huh. And his agent saw him Snapchat some pictures of the mountains up there, realized how close he was to Seattle, um, called the team and said, hey, he's still in shape and he's there. Why don't you guys give him a workout and, you know, see. And so he, they, they figured out, they uh, uh, bring him in, he works out there. They're like, hey, this is the same guy we had that started for us for two years. Let's get him signed. He signed him and he came out and he played in his, his first preseason game two days after signing and looked like he had been, you know, with the team from the start of camp. And yeah, he's going to be starting uh, and rotating with uh, Jerron Reed. He Jerron Reed would, will be the starter, and he would be if he was fully healthy. But he's been dealing with some nagging injuries, and so McDaniel's going to start and uh, get some time there. Which, if you know, it's it, he's he's a good player. He's huge, uh, very good run stuffer. Doesn't offer as far as the uh, pass rush, but in Seattle's defensive scheme. You know, he was a starter for two years, and the team likes him. So he's he he just really fits what they do. Yeah, looking at the linebacker unit, you'll be hard pressed to find two linebackers better uh, than KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner on NFL rosters. That third linebacker spot, Mike Morgan, it looks more like a two-down type of player. Uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, is he somebody that has a big role on the, on the team, or is it kind of like you know we play third cornerback so often? Yeah, they're going to play the nickel, bring in the third cornerback probably about 66% of the time, so about two-thirds. So that means that Morgan's going to play about one-third of the snaps. And that was why when Bruce Irvin left in free agency, the Seahawks didn't bother to you know, draft or sign anyone to replace it because it's, it's just not a big role in Seattle's defense. They asked the, um, the strong side linebacker to cover a tight end or set the edge against the run, and that's it. Uh, it's a it's pretty pretty simple rule. Sure. They don't use it. They don't use it all that often. You know, like only about about a third of the snaps. And you know, Morgan's uh, he's a veteran. He's a guy that's been here. Uh, he every year it seems that the team wants to wants to replace him, and every year he makes the roster. And then this year they finally you know just gave up and let him start. Um, so he's, he's an interesting player, uh, you know, as far as athletically and that kind of stuff, but he's, you know, just another guy and, and he'll, but he'll, he'll do his job and that's all they need him to do. So, so looking at the bread and butter of the Seahawks defense, you have Richard Sherman at cornerback at one spot. You have Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, Pro Bowl caliber safeties. And then on the other side, you have either Deshaun Shedd, uh, or Jeremy Lane at that other cornerback spot. And then as the sixth defensive back, a player that I really liked when he was here in Miami, Kelsey McCray. Give us a breakdown of that secondary and, and what we can expect. I think everyone kind of knows what to expect from, from Sherman, Thomas, and Chancellor. Those guys are, they're, all three of them have been your know, first or second team all pro. They're, you know, they're the makings of the, the best secondary in the NFL. And I know, Arizona and a couple other teams will dispute that, but they're they're at least in the conversation. Uh, the far side uh, opposite of Sherman, uh, you're gonna. They're two very different players. Uh, Jeremy Lane's good against smaller, quicker guys, the uh, Julian Edelmans of the world, but you know he doesn't have the length that the Seahawks like on the outside. 
which is helpful since they play so much uh, cover three. So that's what he moves inside. Uh, and Deshaun Shedd comes in and plays on the boundary. He is a guy that can play both safety and corner. And so him being able to come in and be a starter last year when they needed him to was kind of a revelation. He was always that backup that they trusted because he could do multiple positions, but then he stepped in and played, and that was you know, kind of a, a cool thing for, for him because he just was much better than anyone really expected him to be. And he will get that you know, those, those snaps on the far side. McCray was a guy that Seahawks traded for because he is a special teamer. And that's who, you know, that's who they, they got. And then once he got into town, they realized, wow, this guy can really run. He's speed, he's got good instincts. And they just keep trying to find ways to get him on the field. And in the offseason, they signed their, the Seahawks brought back cornerback Brandon Browner and talked about moving him to safety. And then they're, oh, they're going to run three safeties at times and use what they call the bandit package, which is two cornerbacks and three safeties. That transition never really worked, but they haven't thrown the bandit package they're just going to use McCray in that package instead. So uh, we're going to, you're going to see Seth mix up a lot of different things in the secondary. Uh, defensive coordinator Chris Richard is just he just keeps talking about all the different things he's going to do and you know all the different uh, ways to disguise coverage and different packages and we can't keep up <laughs> with everything because of course he's not going to give us exact details. But you can tell he's been excited with you know the variety of talents that. The Seahawks have given him, and, and so yeah, got I'll a, tell you, he's a really good group there. I'll tell you the the reason Brandon Brown is not on the team is because he's probably the worst defensive back I've ever seen uh, based on last year with the New Orleans Saints. I, I know he was great with Seattle a few years ago when he was the fourth man of that Legion of Boom, but man, oh man, I, I it, it, this guy had no shot last year. Right? And when Seattle signed him, I thought, okay, maybe he can show rekindle some of that magic. But I'm I'm glad that he didn't end up making the roster. You give give that opportunity to see some younger players. So great analysis, great breakdown. I keep going. I was going to say with him, he had no business trying to cover an NFL wide receiver anymore. And he just does not have the speed. And if he couldn't, if he couldn't maul them at the line of scrimmage, he had no hope. And that's how he ended up leading the entire NFL in penalties uh, last year. So it's, you're right. I would agree with you. It's probably a better thing that a younger player um, got an opportunity. Yeah, so great breakdown of the roster. Really gives some clarity to our uh, to us Miami Dolphins fans who don't really have the opportunity to look in the NFC West all that often. Uh, looking at the the matchup in general here, Keith, what what are some matchups that you think that the Seahawks can really exploit against the Dolphins? Well, I think that Seattle's got enough weapons between. Uh, their their big four wide receivers. I say big, even though all of them are short. You know, Jimmy Graham, if he plays, if not, uh, Luke Wilson, Procise, uh, out of the backfield. They've got a lot of weapons, and I'm not sure that Miami has the athletes to cover them, especially guys like you know Paul Richardson and and uh, Tyler Lockett and their their elite speed and ability to stretch the defense, and that just opens up. Uh, more space underneath for guys like Doug Baldwin. And I, so I, I think that they're going to, they, if they don't get pressure on Wilson, it's going to be, gonna, it could be for a long game uh, for that Miami secondary. The other thing is that you have to contain Wilson. You've got to keep him from doing too much when the plays break down. And I know that 
Miami's defensive line is very talented, but if if they start chasing Wilson all over the field, they're going to get tired because it's just <laughs> those big 300 pounders should not be chasing a little guy like Wilson too much. And if they start to get tired, then Seattle's going to just be able to run over them uh, with Christine Michael and Thomas Rawls and those guys. So it's there. There's potential here for some, for a fairly a fairly high scoring second half for Seattle. So Keith, the, the flip side of that, what matchups in this game? actually worry you as somebody that follows the Seahawks in terms of what you think Miami may be able to exploit in this one? Well, what I'm looking at with this is, is when you got guys like Cameron Wake and, and those guys coming off the edge against Bradley Soul, especially, I think that there's Wilson's going to get sacked a bunch. If the over-under for sacks is probably four and a half, which Sounds like a lot, but you know, not if you're a Seattle fan and you're kind of used to that. <laughs> and uh, so th- that's that's the matchup that I'm that I'm most worried about. The other thing is we don't really know what Miami's offense is going to look like. We kind of have an idea from the preseason, but let's face it, it's very vanilla. They're not going to show their hand, and I expect Case to have some interesting packages. And you know stuff drawn up for for this game, and you know possibly even getting uh, Tannehill running, moving, and not having any idea how to what what's coming means they're not going to ha- may not have a great great game plan on how to stop it right away. So there there's a little bit of that. Plus the way Seattle's defensive scheme is set up, the the dink and dunk passing game tends to eat them alive, and I can see uh, Miami's receiving core doing pretty well against, you know, Seattle soft cover three zone and, and being able to, to really exploit some of those linebackers. I mean, the linebackers are good, but those, the zones and underneath as far as coverage, they're not that quick. So um, I could see there being some really, really easy games, especially early on, you know, being able, being able to pick up those first downs when you think that, you know, third and ten and stuff, but it should be a low percentage. I could see them actually getting a higher percentage than normal. Just it's just a scheme issue, you know, in the way the matchups work. Looking at this game, what is your final prediction for the Dolphins versus Seahawks this Sunday in Week One? It's it's weird to say because with Seattle, you, you tend to think of low-scoring games because of the way their defense plays and the way the offense is, you know, run first and slow the game down kind of thing. So there's a lot of low-scoring games. But I actually think this game is going to end up um, with a fairly decent scoreline just because I think that Seattle's offense will wear down Miami's defense in the second half because of – Wilson's ability to just run around and, you know, guys like Sue and Wake and, and Williams will get tired. And then that's when the running game gets going and that's when they start scoring points. So I could see Seattle coming, you know, keeping everyone expecting him to be close early. Seattle's probably going to struggle to move the ball offensively in the first uh, quarter. And then eventually they, they get things rolling and they, they pull out a win. So I would, would predict something like 27, 20, or something like that uh, with, for the Seahawks. So, Keith, I just want to jump in real quick. One, one sure. thing that you mentioned a couple of times was, was the defensive line getting tired. Reports, and I, you're with referencing Cameron Wade specific, specifically, reports actually included something that we've been saying they, they most likely do all preseason anyhow, where essentially Jason Jones is really going to 
being there on rundowns. And mm-hmm. Tim White's only going to come in in those pass situations to keep him fresh. So that may alleviate a little bit of that for, for Cam Wake. So, well, yeah, there, well, there'll be a, there's a lot of, there, there should be a lot of rotation. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know how Miami does it as far as their rotation, but like Michael Bennett plays the most, out of, the most snaps of anybody in Seattle's defensive line rotation. And it works out to be about 75% of the snaps. Uh, what that means, you know, they rotate them a lot in order to try and keep them fresh. So there's, there's, there should be a lot of that. I just think that it, it's just something that we see and we, uh, especially with veteran defensive tackles is that they just are playing against Seattle and playing against Wilson. It, it tends to be a thing where you look at them in the fourth quarter and they are just completely gassed, even if they've been dominating and Seattle's offense hasn't been doing anything. Um, a good example would be against uh, the Vikings last year in the playoffs. And you start to see guys like um, Linval Joseph, who was just, had a great game. It was just dominating Seattle's interior line, but by the end of the game, he just had nothing left, and, and that was part of the reason why the Seahawks were able to come back in that and, and pick up the win. Thank you very much for joining us here uh, in previewing the Seahawks Dolphins game. Keith Myers, follow him on Twitter at Myers NFL. His website is is Twelfth Man Rising. And uh, if there's any way that we can return the favor, Keith, please let us know. Okay, absolutely. All right, that will do it for our Dolphins-Seahawks preview. And uh, you can follow us on the Fin site on Facebook, on Twitter. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can tweet your questions to hashtag FinSideQ. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the Fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the Fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, and you familiar to fulfill the crepe we have to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fence side ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done